Today on Telling the Truth, Stuart Briscoe continues his series, Keep the Faith, and shares biblical insight to help you see God's blessings behind your trials. But first, when your hope is tied to God, even the most troubled times can strengthen your faith. We want to help you find strength in times of discouragement with Stuart and Jill's five-message compilation, Hope for the Disheartened. We'll send it to you on CD or USB as our thanks for your gift to help reach more people through telling the truth. And if you're able to make your gift monthly, we'll also send you Jill's book of poetry, Barefoot in My Heart. Call us today at 1-800-889-5388 and request it. That's 1-800-889-5388. You can also give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now, here's Stuart Briscoe with his message, Discipline, Who Needs It? This whole business of discipline has created an enormous debate that has raged for some time now. As is the case in all controversial issues, I believe that Christians should have a Christian point of view on this subject, and it should be biblically informed. And fortunately, the the Scriptures have a lot to say on the subject of discipline. And the reason I mention that to you is that one of the passages that speaks very forcefully on the subject of discipline is the next passage we come to in our study of the letter to the Hebrews. And I'm referring now to Hebrews chapter 12. What I'm going to read to you in a few minutes is really quite startling. And I I want you to make sure that you understand it's not me saying it. It's actually what the Bible says, because it needs to be taken very seriously indeed. And one of the things we looked at last time I talked to you was the analogy that the writer draws between the Christian life and the race that was common in the games that were so popular in Greek and Roman culture at the time the letter was written. When athletes participated in those games, they had to go into strict training for 10 months and be certified as having completed the training. Then they had to swear an oath that they would play by the rules. And uh, the writer to the Hebrews says, look, the reality is this, that you're never going to be a top athlete unless you'll accept the rigors of training and the hardship of discipline. And it's the same in the Christian life. You must not think for a minute that you're going to be exempt from hardship and stress and strain. That is part of what it's all about. And it is intentionally incorporated in your spiritual experience. Now he goes into a further analogy and he he wants to point out to us that in actual fact, suffering should be seen as discipline and that this discipline is something that God designs for us in order that we might grow into what he wants us to be. That's what we're going to look into today. Hebrews chapter 12, commencing at verse 4. This is what he says. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. Then he quotes Proverbs. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as son. 
<laughs> End quote. Now, I wanted you to read that in your Bibles because that is a startling statement. And you've got to see that it's actually in the book. Now, after that statement, he draws out a very simple, profound principle. Here it is. Endure hardship as discipline. That is the crux of what we'll be talking about today. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. All right, here's the situation. These people are struggling. They're enduring hardship. And he says, now, how are you handling your hardship? If some of you are thinking, I don't like this hardship. I want to get out from under it. I'm going to bail out of this whole Christian faith thing. It's harder than I thought it was going to be. I don't want to be any more part of it. He said, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Recognize that the hardship that you are going through is intended as discipline and every loving father disciplines a child. And your heavenly father is allowing this as discipline as an evidence of his love for you. Boy, that turns our attitude to struggles and hardships right on its head if we can begin to accept what scripture is saying at this point. However, before we get into that, let me identify for you what I believe is a fascinating insight that the writer to the Hebrews has for us. In verse 4, talking about their struggles, he says quite casually, without any preamble, in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Notice that he characterizes this struggle that they're having as being something related to sin. Have you ever thought of the hardships that you're going through as being something that is related to sin? If you do, then you realize that there may be a spiritual cause for the struggles you're going through, which lead to the assumption, of course, there probably is a spiritual solution. The reality is, however, that there can be underlying the struggles that we're going through a very definite of sin, which is all related to the fact that we're fallen people living in a fallen world. That is the reality of our experience. Now, having explained that, he then makes this remarkable statement, in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. That's a pretty blunt statement, isn't it? What he's saying, if I can paraphrase it, what he's saying basically is this. I know you're having a rough time, but you're not dead. That's a bit blunt, but that's basically what he said. I know you're having a hard time, but you're not dead. You haven't shed any blood yet. Well, why in the world would he say that? Well, I think he was trying to encourage them, but probably it was a little ham-fisted. 
as the word of encouragement. But there's a very realistic reason why he said it. You see, Hebrews 12 starts out by saying, seeing we are encompassed in such a cloud of witnesses, and he is referring to what he's talked about in Hebrews 11. Now, if you're following on your Bible and you're reading your Bible, you know that Hebrews 11 is all about a, a succession of people of faith who had a hard time but, but kept the faith. And they're called witnesses. And the word witness in the Greek was martos. And you know that language is not a static thing. It's a dynamic thing. So it's always changing. And the word martos moved from witness to meaning martyr. Because so many of those witnesses finished up as martyrs in the time that this New Testament was written. And so what he's saying is this. You are surrounded in the history of of the life of faith with martyrs, people who shed their blood. So don't be surprised if you are called upon to do that one day. Don't think something unusual is happening to you. And right now you're having a hard time, but it's not that bad, is it? So be encouraged. But there's another reason also, and that is, of course, that Jesus himself suffered, and this is what he draws out. And as we look at the fact that the basis of our faith is the cross, and the reason that our sins are forgiven is because of the shed blood of Christ, and that the reason that we can draw nigh to God is that God was willing to be a suffering God As we consider this, we can understand why he's saying, you're having a hard time, but you haven't shed any blood yet. So be encouraged. Why does scripture say God disciplines those he loves? That's what Stuart Briscoe is talking about on today's Telling the Truth. And he's coming right back with more. Everyone experiences disappointment in life. And when things don't go the way we want or expect, in big or small ways, discouragement can become entrenched in our hearts and minds. But that doesn't mean we have to lose heart or stumble in our faith in life's most troubling moments. And in Hope for the Disheartened, Stuart and Joel Briscoe's new five-message series, you'll discover why our hope must be tied to God and reliant on his strength and timing. You'll also be encouraged as you hear Stuart and Joel point you and anyone who's feeling discouraged to the all-powerful God of hope. Hope for the Disheartened is our way to thank you for your financial support of Telling the Truth today. And through March 10th, when you make your gift monthly, we'll also send you a special bonus resource, Joel's most loved book of poetry, Barefoot in My Heart. So request your copies today when you call and give 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. You can also give online at tellingthetruth.org. For many, our smartphones have become our social connection, but we want to help you make a spiritual connection with the Telling the Truth mobile app. You can listen to daily programs, engage in Bible reading plans, journal, and share your thoughts and prayers on the community wall. Get the Telling the Truth app through your app store or log on to tellingthetruth.org slash mobile app. Remember, you can also give to support Telling the Truth on our mobile app. Now, here's Stuart Briscoe once again. Then he goes a step further. 
And this is what he says. In addition, you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. Now, notice carefully this word of encouragement. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Well, what is he saying here? He is saying that we have got to come to terms with the fact there is a direct connection between hardship and discipline. Now, let's make sure we've got this straight. What he's already said is this, the hardship and the struggles that they're going through are directly related to sin. But now he's saying this hardship that is directly related to sin can be a means of discipline. So you get all logical here and you say, "Uh aha, so hardship is a means of discipline. Discipline is the result of sin. God is disciplining me. Therefore, God is using sinful things to discipline me. He is punishing me for my sin. No, that is not what he is saying. What the Bible teaches is this. God is not the author of sin. And God does not use sin to test you or to tempt you. He would not do that. That would be totally contrary to who he is. Sin will produce all kinds of pressures and all kinds of problems with which you struggle. God is prepared to work in those things that are the result of sin that are happening quite outside his action. He is prepared to move in them and bring good out of them. He is able to bring dancing out of mourning. He is able to bring beauty out of ashes. He is actually able to bring discipline out of struggles that are caused by sin. It's part of the genius of God. Now then, if we can begin to accept that, we can then begin to take strides to endure hardship as discipline. Okay, so there's sin in the world. Sin produces hardship. We struggle against hardship. How do we look at these hardships and what we're struggling with? Do we resent them? Do we reject them? Do we say, well, what's God playing at here? I don't want anything more to do with him. Or do we endure hardship as discipline and say, you know what God is doing? He is allowing this to happen in my life in order that it might draw me into a level of relationship with him that would be called sharing his holiness, experiencing a harvest of righteousness and peace. You say, how in the world could that work? How in the world could that work? Well, let me remind you of what we know that these people, the Hebrews who have been written to, what they had gone through. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us this that they had been publicly exposed to insult. They'd gone through persecution. They'd stood side by side with those who were so treated. They'd accepted the confiscation of their property. All right, very quickly, look at the struggles they'd had. Look at the things they'd experienced. They had been subjected to insult. Why? They had been subjected to insult because in a community that had rejected Christ as Messiah, 
they had fearlessly taken their stand and been baptized and publicly confessed Christ as Messiah. And that did not go over big with their community. As a result, they were ostracized. They were vilified. They were insulted. They were rejected. They were kicked out of their families. All right? That's hard. That's hard. So what do you do with a situation like that? Well, what these people had done was this. They had learned to endure hardship as discipline. And they'd said, all right, this is the situation. We have, because we have taken this stand for Christ, we have been subjected to all this hardship. Now, what can come out positively out of this hardship? Well, I'll tell you what could come out of it that's positive. They could re-examine what they believed. They could check whether what they believed was true. They could check why they believed it. And if they could check why they believed it and were convinced that it was true, they would have a more solid rock on which to stand. And they would discover that they were deeper and stronger in their faith. Deeper and stronger than they would ever have been if they'd never gone through this challenge. Well, take the people who'd had the confiscation of their property. They'd lost their property. What happens if you lose your property? What happens if you lose your home? What happens if you lose some of your investments? Oh boy, look what's happened to me now. I'm in real trouble. What happens if you lose your job? Lose your income? Can't do all the things that you wanted to do before. That's hard. That's really hard. How can it become discipline? It can become discipline because it could help you re-evaluate how materialistic you are. How do I know that? Have you ever noticed when they interview people who've gone through a hurricane? They stand there in what's left of their homes, which is usually a brick chimney and matchwood strewn around the place that they used to call the home. And you hear some of them say the most incredible thing. They're saying, we have so much to be thankful for. You say, what? We have so much to be thankful for. What do you mean? You've lost everything. No, we haven't lost everything. We've got each other. We've got each other. What are they discovering? They're discovering that they're being freed up from materialism. Do you know what the Bible says? Don't lay up treasure on earth. Lay up treasure in heaven. But that's hard to do. But the interesting thing about it is this, that hardship can produce the opportunity for discipline. And discipline is something that God allows because he loves you. And if you're going through hardship, accept it as discipline. And if you accept it as discipline, recognize it is born of love. And if it is born of love, say, praise God, I must be a member of the family. Endure hardship as discipline. God doesn't want you dead in battle. He wants you to partake in his holiness. He wants you to have a harvest of righteousness. He wants you to know his peace. He isn't punishing you. He's disciplining you. But discipline only works in those who are willing to accept it. It does no good at all to those who resent it.
That's Stuart Prisco on today's Telling the Truth. We'll be right back to hear how Stuart answered a few important questions about today's message. Before we hear from Stuart, here's a great resource you'll want to know about. The support of friends like you helps transform the world through sound biblical resources and teaching like you're hearing today. Because when people understand and apply God's word, they experience life in all its fullness. That's why we'll say thanks for your gift to help keep this teaching ministry going strong with Stuart and Jill's new five-message series, Hope for the Disheartened. In this encouraging series, you'll discover that when your hope is firmly tied to God, your faith can actually grow stronger in troubled times. And if you're able to make your gift monthly, we'll also send you a bonus resource, Jill's beautiful book of poetry, Barefoot in My Heart. So call today to request Hope for the Disheartened and Barefoot in My Heart as thanks for your first monthly gift to help transform hearts, families, and communities all around the world. Or you can request Hope for the Disheartened as thanks for your one-time gift. Just call 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now, let's hear some of Stuart's key ideas from today's message. Stuart, you know, nobody enjoys hardship, but tell us how you've seen God take a hardship and make someone better. Beauty from ashes. Oh, I hear uh, people testifying uh, over and over and over again to the way in which uh, their lives have taken turns that they did not uh, appreciate, that they did not want them to take. But when they look back on those situations, they can see how their life in actual fact has been enriched as a result of that which they went through. Some are able to see this quite quickly. Others are able uh, to uh, see it much, much later. But there are people uh, who have been ill and they've not been able to do something that they planned to do. But in the time that they were ill, uh, they found time to reflect. They, they found time to meditate. They found time to uh, relate to people that they had neglected doing before. And when they look back, they say, goodness me, I'm a different person. And I would never have matured in this way without going through that time of adversity. My wife has a saying that I've quoted to many, many people. She says, don't say you are laid aside by illness. Say you are called aside for stillness. Think of it in those terms, and you'll begin to see how adversity can lead to blessing, how ashes can be turned into something beautiful. What would you say to that person who feels like their hard times will overwhelm them? Uh, there are times when uh, most people, I think, will feel that they're in the set of circumstances that uh, they sense are going to overwhelm them. Uh, but uh, the, the people in that kind of situation, hopefully, will have developed a good relational life. Uh, they have taken the trouble uh, to be friendly and as a result have got friends. They've taken the trouble to identify with a community of faith. Therefore, they have faithful 
brothers and sisters in their lives. And the obvious thing happens when they find themselves in a situation they're going to be overwhelmed. Those friends, those people who love them, the fellow believers in the community of faith rush to their aid. And uh, the simple principle, bear one another's burdens, kicks into gear. Uh, it's very important at this point, however, to say this, that the letter to the Galatians says two things that seem contradictory. One, it says we should bear our own burdens, and then it says we should bear one another's burdens. The difference there is the Roman soldier had two kinds of uh, equipment that sometimes he would go with relatively light equipment and other times very heavy equipment. Sometimes the things that are going to overwhelm us are relatively light. We've got to learn to handle those situations ourselves. Sometimes they are overwhelming. That's when we count on the people in our sphere of relationships who will come to our aid. Powerful stuff from Stuart Briscoe. Just a reminder before we close today's broadcast, when you call and give to help more people experience life, We'll send you the Briscoe's five-message series, Hope for the Disheartened, as our thanks. And if you make your gift monthly, we'll also include Joel's most loved book of poetry, Barefoot in My Heart. Request your resources today when you call 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org. We're glad you joined us today on Telling the Truth. Come back next time for more powerful truth that helps you experience life. See you soon on Telling the Truth.